All right, perfect. Why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about the books that you've written? Yeah, cool, yeah, because that was kind of how, um, I guess, how we, we first connected, wasn't it? I suppose, when we through the books. Yeah, the first book uh, I came across, which was the one that you sent me, How to Be a Dog Superhero, and then obviously we started talking from there. Um, I I was actually one of the, the readers before it was released for Walk Yourself Wealthy as well. So yeah, we've known each other for a while now. We certainly have, we certainly have, yeah. So so our first book um, was published in uh, 2016, and it's called How to Be a Dog Superhero, Transform Your Dastardly Dog Using the Power of Play. And it's basically um, a bit of a how-to manual for pet dog owners who love their dogs, but they they don't have any control over them. <laughs> because that's kind of what, where I was, you know, as a as a pet dog owner way back when. Um, and a little, a, bit, a little bit more of our story as well, I suppose, which leads on to the book would be um, that uh, in 2011 I started my my dog adventure business in Sunderland. And uh, this um, this was my dream job, you know. I, I left a, a job as a sales rep with a FTSE 100 company to, to pursue this dream of, of not working with people and, and walking dogs. Um, so so that was that was how the business came about. And I sort of quickly realised that I didn't know about dogs, Nick. And I think this is something that many pet dog owners, but probably even dog walkers can identify with as well, but certainly dog owners where you, you get this dog and you think just because like you love it, it's, you know, everything's going to be cushy, <laughs> but, uh, but, but it isn't, you know, you need, you need more than love. And in my case with the business, I needed more than just, uh, um, just, just to be passionate and, uh, to want to give the dogs a good time. You know, I didn't, I didn't have enough dog training knowledge. So I went on a bit of a doggy education, um, Learned from people like John Rogerson and uh, David Davies became a mentor of mine. He lives nearby, and I, I sort of learned how to learned how to play with my dog. Really learned how to, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't even have a very good relationship with my own dogs. You know, who, who I love dearly, but I, but I really didn't have a very good relationship with them. And so I'd, then I spent the next kind of couple of years implementing all this, you know, how to play with your dog thing and how to have fun with your dog and how to get the dog to look at you um, like you're, you're a really interesting person and more interesting than that squirrel or that, that rabbit anyway and or another dog even. And then, um, and then yeah, then, then I sort of started to teach other people how to do this, teach other pet dog owners as well. And then this that kind of developed into what became the, the subject matter for, for my first book, you know, how, how to be a dog superhero. Which is, I'm, I'm sure you'll agree, Nick, uh, it's not your average dog training book, is it? No, well, that's, well, you know, you talk about this when we get onto the business stuff, about positioning and polarising people, and I think you definitely achieved that with your first book, <laughs> you know, with, <laughs> with the way that, you know, if you read... One of the things I loved about your book the most was if you pick up a dog training book, especially if you're not interested in dog training, but you want to learn, they're so formal and so boring that it's really hard to make it all the way through it. Whereas with your book, you know, you're swearing, it's funny, it's personal. So for someone like me, I actually quite enjoyed that. But I know that there are people that are turned off by that. But that's uh, that, that was your intentions anyway for sure yeah for sure um, the intention was to write it for the, you know I, I was determined from the start not to write another dog training book that other dog trainers were going to pour over you know and and uh, and talk about it seminars and stuff you know and, and uh, about how, how all these kind of dog training trainery books that they've read I wanted to write something for the for the people like me you know um, that there were, hopefully there isn't too many people like me out there but, but you know they're, they're people like me who like I said before, love their dogs dearly, but they just didn't have no connection with them. You know, they didn't have no relationship as such. They were the the butler who dishes the food out, or the chauffeur who takes the dog to the park to play with the other dogs and stuff. But they weren't. They, they didn't really have any. It, it weren't really having any fun with their dogs. You know, and 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 I've been there. I know what it's like. It's it's a horrible feeling when you when you think your dog doesn't like you. <laughs> Um, and, and it makes walking the dog and exercising them like really stressful. So yeah, so that's kind of where I was coming from with the trying to make the the actual content like really easy, super easy for people to understand. Because I think dog training should be easy for the most part, especially for pet dog owners. But at the same time, speaking to them um, in a language that they could identify with, and you know, you'll see from the as, as you've said and. Not everybody likes it, you know, people, I get, I get, you know, ranty emails and uh, people complain about the swearing and this kind of thing and 
But you know, the, the central premise, the message of the book is is to to be what can we swear, Nick, or not? Yeah, yeah. Don't want to lose your PG rating. The, 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 <laughs> the central theme of the book is to be more fucking interesting. You know, that's the that's the whole thing about it. And um, and we, we talked about this, you know, on other occasions about it's not as easy as just you know sticking on a funny hat, isn't it, and doing a little dance. You know, you have to you have to do a bit of research into your dog. You know, what he likes and stuff. Um, but that's that, 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 that that's what it's all. That, that's why that's where I'm coming from anyway. That's the the kind of person that I'm speaking to. I I, I know my audience. And I, I know I knew exactly who, who I wanted to picture that. Yeah, I think that that's the appeal of the stuff that you've written is it's kind of unrelentlessly honest, and you're also unrelentlessly yourself. And it really comes across even more so in the audiobook, I find, where you know you really get to feel like you know you as the reader. You know, you, it's it's very relatable. Yeah, well, that's good, and that's what I guess we might talk about that in a little while when we start talking about the business. But that's a whole. A whole other thing, isn't it? About you know, I want people. That's what you want people to feel. I want people to feel a, a, some kind of connection, you know. And I want to either pull them in, make them more interested, so they want to find out about, about more about me um, and my other products and services and stuff. Or I want to push them away, you know. That's it's like I want them hot and in, or cold and out. Yeah, I think that um, when I read your, this is a little. I say the same thing about when I um, first met Craig Ogilvie at his workshop. Mm. When I first read your book, I don't think I really thought much of it. And I don't mean that in a horrible way. But it wasn't until further down the line that I kind of realised how much of a big influence this had. Because at that time, I think I was really still thinking about and developing my own ideas on this engagement stuff. And, you know, I read your book. I also heard a little bit of John McGuigan talking about connected walking and... um, I'd already learned the kind of the checking stuff as well, so I was really experimenting with my own engagement stuff. But I think that reading your book was definitely had an influence. You know, even now when now when I get to the point when I'm writing my book, I definitely notice that there are a lot of similarities in the stuff that we're talking about, even if we're using different language. And we spoke when when I did that webinar with you, it was the same kind of thing. You know, the principles are are basically the same. Definitely, yeah. There's more that. There's more that connects us, isn't there? There's more. That we've got more in common than not in common, and, and I think I told you this on the webinar as well. I did a, um, when I did these seminars down at Jane Arden's place uh, last year. Um, we, we went out for a curry afterwards. Jane's a big curry fan. Um, I, I am too. I didn't just go because she likes curry. Um, but her and uh, Mike and, and me and Alex, a video guy, we, we went and um, and we were having the meal. And she said, um, she said, you know, she said, you know, really, really similar to my kind of crazy canines or whatever, whatever it is, her, her program, you know, but it's just hers is more spoken as she speaks, do you know what I mean, and spoken in her kind of language, and because and, she's aiming for a slightly different kind of crowd, you know, so it's, um, there's, so, there's, so, there's much more that connects us, and like you mentioned, John, and, and a number of other people as well, and I'm heavily influenced by, by John Rogerson and David Davies, you know, and like Robert Lane, these type of people, again, real life dog trainers, um, and so I'll just try to, to take that message you know, we're all standing on the shoulders of giants here. There's nothing in my book that you can't get from any, any you know, another 150 dog trainer books out there. But it's just, it's got my spin on it, you know, and it's got my stories and stuff. And, and yours, which I'm very much looking forward to reading, will be exactly the same. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, the best you can hope for is just to slightly push it forwards each time. And everyone's putting their own take on it and, you know, adding their own thoughts and, and stuff. And, and that's what really the dog training community should be about, shouldn't it? You know, you should be sharing ideas and pushing the whole thing forwards. Um, yeah. But yeah, to tell another story, um, whilst we're talking about Jane, because I know Jane's a gun dog trainer, um, I I was working with a client that had a spaniel and we were doing engagement stuff. and um, But she was still struggling. And I think that's mostly because um, if you have a, a spaniel, especially a working spaniel, they're quite difficult uh, for an average pet owner sometimes you know they they are very um, you know they are very driven to to hunt and, and stuff like that so we were doing engagement training we were doing recall training and it was going fine um, but I ended up saying to her oh why don't you go and see this gun dog trainer uh, that we know locally that is is quite good and she went and saw her and then she came back to me and she said that she's that she's teaching basically the same stuff <laughs> and that was quite surprising to me because i i thought that it would be different but actually it's all the you know the engagement stuff and the stuff that you're teaching and stuff it is so similar 
really, when it comes down to it. So, yeah, yeah I thought that was interesting. Yeah, well, talk, well I mean, it's a couple of things. What is that that, like I said before, there's nothing really new, you know? And as a classic example of that, I was recently on, um, me and Beth went to the lakes last week. I'm just writing about this in the ledger, actually, as well, which you'll be receiving soon. And uh, we went to a, a little bookstore in Sedberg in the Yorkshire Dales. Um, Sedberg's a, a book town, and um, it's got a big converted cinema there that's turned into a second-hand bookshop. And uh, the one, we first went there about two years ago, and I picked up a couple of old dog training books. And we went again. This time I picked up another, spent like 40, 50 quid on, on some really old, you know, really paper recovery doctrinary books um, like you know 50, 60, 100 years old kind of things and um, um, you know I'm getting more kind of inspiration and stuff from reading these type of things than I am from seeing people arguing the toss in Facebook groups you know about like who can out positively each other you know it's like you know what I mean it's, you know there's, there's nothing there's nothing really new out there um, yeah, there's new twists on things, you know, but it's like, you know, dog training to me is about, you know, what, what you decide what kind of life you want to have with the dog, you know, and if you want to, if you want to have a dog that's easy to look after, then following the kind of principles that I teach in my book will help you to get there really quickly, you know, and, and which doesn't take very much, you know, it's about finding out what the dog likes, building a relationship with him, teaching him that you that you're the most interesting thing at the park, the beach, and the woods, and you know, providing everything that he needs to, to be fulfilled as a dog, but also in a way that means that, you know, you, you're, you're, you feel safe and in control and you, you're happy as well. And you can leave him alone when you go to work and stuff like this. And it's like dieting is the same, you know, there's like newfangled diets coming out all the time, isn't it? You know, but at the end of the day, if you eat less than you burn off in calories, you know, and you do a, you do your 10,000 steps and you do a bit of stretching and stuff and, and you know, like, life will be good and, you know, you know, you don't drink too much or smoke, you know, that's like, everything else is just like, you know, fluff and stuff, isn't it, you know, or, or, or whatever, you know, whatever twists people want to put on it. Well, it kind of comes down to the 80-20 principle, which you teach, you know, that 20% uh, of what you learn or whatever is going to be applicable, but no, yeah, that's right, yeah. isn't it? Twenty percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I do think that there is new stuff coming out, but is there enough to get the result that people want? Generally, pet dog owners, especially, already. Yeah, there's you know all of that kind of stuff has long been known. You know, the to get a little bit geeky, you know, like just that kind of like behaviorist approach of what we call the ABCs, antecedent behavior consequence, just to know the how to reward the dog for behavior and, and you know, having an idea of those basic things are going to get average dog owners the results with their dogs easily and, and the, the being more interesting stuff and um, etc. You know, you don't have to be on the forefront of science to be able to get the, the result that you want with your dog. You know, leave that to the geeky people like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, not even like me, to be honest. Be fair, though, you would you you would speak to a pet dog owner differently to what you would speak to colleagues at a, at a conference, wouldn't you? You know. Oh yeah, I wouldn't talk like that. <laughs> you would anyway. <laughs> no, but you know, you, you you would, and you would. <laughs> of course, yeah. Of course. No, no, no. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course you would. Of course you would. Yeah, but that's not um, intended as a patronising thing either. Quite the opposite, you know. You, you, the thing is, and I, this is one of my pet hates actually. When you when you see someone, a dog trainer or, or whatever, and they're giving a class and they're talking about learning theory, and they're you know they're using all these terms like counter conditioning, you know, uh, positive reinforcement, and all this kind of stuff, and it's just completely alienating people because they're just throwing you know buzzwords at them instead of actually coaching them it really irritates me actually yeah which is why you don't hear me say counter conditioning or anti-scene or anything like that in, in, in my book or you know or, <laughs> because because that's my audience but to be fair I mean you know there are there are different levels of audience as well so you'll have you'll have your enthusiastic dog trainer who will uh, sorry you'll have your enthusiastic pet dog owner who well, I've read a couple of dog training books, you know. So, so obviously they'll be they'll 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 be they'll be more conversant with that type of language. And then you'll have your your dog enthusiasts, you know, like you want to be dog trainers who will be a little bit further down the line. So it's, it's just speaking to speaking to the right and, and the, all of the audiences are massive. I'm not saying that what I did is any better or worse than anybody else's. I'm just saying what I did with my book and the podcast and stuff was um, probably the best thing about it was that it was pitched perfectly at 
I, I knew exactly who I was aiming at. You know. Yeah, and it's it's kind of strange, really, that more dog trainers aren't directly aiming their materials at dog owners. You know, it, I don't know if it's a conscious thing or not, but it does seem to be the 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 thing that when you you um you know when you spend time on Facebook and all the social media and stuff. A lot of content is definitely aimed at dog trainers, but maybe that's just me because I'm seeing that. I don't know. But then you see, you know, you see a company like um, Absolute Dogs that do aim their stuff at dog owners, and then you see people ripping it, ripping them into them for it. And it's like, no, they're doing a smart thing. You know, they're doing what everyone should essentially be doing if you're running a dog training business and aiming the content at people that are dog owners that are going to hire them. Exactly. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about business now. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about Walk Yourself Wealthy, and then we go into that. Okay. So, um, so I when, when I finished How to Be a Dog Superhero, obviously I was writing the book is one thing, but then marketing it is is quite another, you know. And you'll you'll find well, you you will find you actually will find yourself, Nick, that you'll spend as much time. Oh, this doesn't put you off either. But you'll spend as much time. Um, an effort and energy marketing the book as you do as you as you did writing it, you know, um, because as much as you, we we all might like to think it, you know, we, we're not we're not going to be like number one bestsellers or you know uh, on the end of window waterstones and stuff just because just because we've written a book, you know, we have to we have to work really hard at marketing it. So part of my kind of. Um, makeup, I guess. I guess actually, backtrack a little bit. You know what I said before about with the whole dog training thing, where I didn't know about dogs, and now I learned about dogs. You know, I learned how dogs work. I learned what kind of philosophy I wanted to follow, and and what I wanted to teach, and who I wanted to help. And then I put that into practice and distilled it into my own kind of methods and stuff. Well, a similar thing happened with the with the uh, marketing side of it. You know, because I am quite ambitious. With my business, I always have been um, since I started it. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with um, wanting to help lots of people and wanting to make money from your business as well. You know, I think those two things are congruent, and I think that pet business owners who don't admit that, um, you know, well, they're forever destined to, you know, not be happy. You know, working long hours and not earning very much money, um, even if they are helping more people. Um, but so I had to go on kind of a marketing education. Because I did lots of things wrong with our marketing in the past. I did an online store and I didn't know how to market that. And I wasted X number of thousand pounds on SEO experts who didn't know anything about it either. You know, but like positioned themselves as, as knowing more than I did. Um, and so I was determined to get this marketing right. So went on a bit of a marketing education, started to invest in myself, invest in my marketing education. Imagine that, Nick. Imagine a business owner, a pet business owner, investing in their own marketing education and not just going to dogs seminars all the time um, <laughs> I'm yeah, actually going to convert it here or not um, but you know so, so that was that was where it started and um, a few people helped me along the way um, uh, Veronica Pullen um, Dan Meredith did some coaching with these guys and then uh, the big one was John McCulloch the evil ball genius whom you met at the boot camp last year um, mm-hmm. and John you know started to learn from John about how to market the business properly market myself um, things like follow up and um, premium pricing and all this kind of thing and uh, and then join John's elite group and stuff and, and then so from kind of probably about early last year I started to I started to sort of think to myself, do you know what, you, you're doing well here. You, 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 uh, well, you know, not that I'm perfect, but you know, you're doing most things right. You're doing lots of things right. You're constantly learning. I can see lots of dog walkers, trainers, and groomers making all the same kind of mistakes that everybody else makes. You know, and what would be a good opportunity to to teach them what you've learned, you know, and put into your practice, or put into practice in your own business over the last sort of eight years. So that was where the pet business coaching side of the business has come in, which ultimately led to um, Walk Yourself Wealthy being published, um, I think it was about September, October last year, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember that, just talking about that attitude as well, you know, I remember when I was 16 years old and I was desperate to become a dog trainer and in my kind of search for, like, mentors and people to talk to, I contacted one of the local dog trainers and he said he couldn't... um, he couldn't um, mentor me but he would meet up with me for a chat so I met up with him um, and I was just having a bit of a chat with him and and he said to me you know if you if you're gonna 
uh, be a dog trainer if you're going to get into this industry you need to realize right now there isn't money to be made you know you're going to be you know this isn't an industry that you get into for money Um, and I've told this story when I did a Facebook live with you where you know I was one of those people that was just going to dog training seminars and I was coming back from an IMDT seminar you know I was like a long way from home and I had run out of petrol went into the petrol station card wouldn't work like and it was like super embarrassing um had to fill out one of those forms that you fill out when you can't pay for petrol um and even then you know because i didn't think i had much money i i only put in like 10 pound of petrol or whatever you know so it even then i was like shit am i gonna get home on 10 pound of petrol <laughs> i was like i should have filled it up i, I paid out the form you might, you might um, yeah so anyway I, I made it home uh yeah, but yeah, that really kind of that was a turning point for me because I was like, Jesus Christ, you know, I don't want to live like this. You know, I need to figure out the financial side of things because it was something I was putting off. I've always been ambitious. I've always wanted to make money, but you know, I was putting that off um, just under the thoughts that you know I'm young, I can do that later. But yeah, that was a turning point for me. So I needed to learn, you know, the business side of things, and that was where I already knew you from the first book you'd written, and then when you started to come into business coaching kind of side of things you know that's when i started talking to you you know i became a member of the inner circle and it's definitely helped me a lot and you know you've taught me you know loads of stuff and then out off my own back as well you know i read a lot about marketing and stuff and it's almost become an interest Mm. you know it is something i'm actually interested in now you know i actually quite enjoy reading about uh business which to people listening is going to sound crazy because you know I think a lot of people associate business with being super boring, but it doesn't have to be, you know, like to, to, to mention an author, you know, because we had this, cause you were mentioning marketing your book, you know, and, and before I was writing my book, I came across an article by Ryan holiday and I shared it with yeah. you and, and, you know, we were reading his article on how to market your book. And then we ended up reading perennial. Well, that was probably one of the f- first marketing books i read was perennial seller by ryan holiday which i think is quite an enjoyable book and then it just kind of went from there Uh yeah yeah no great book really good book um uh and yeah like you you know just to backtrack what you said you know you pet perfect i'm speaking to pet professionals here you know um the dog walkers trainers groomers who will listen to this or aspiring people who, who, who want to get into these jobs you know yeah you need to get good with the dogs you need to get good at the thing you know, and you know, you, well, you'll certainly, if you remember that far back, all the dog trainers out there, you remember back to a time when you, you were like, what I was just talking about, where you didn't know about, you didn't know about dogs, you know, so what did you do to get good at dogs? You did the type of things that, that we've done. You read, you went to seminars, you know, you sought out mentors and stuff, you know, and, and you, you learned, didn't you, and you, you have sort of absorbed yourself in this thing, and then you applied all that to, hopefully you applied all that to your own, your own business, you know, to make you become a better dog trainer, or a better dog walker. But, you, you know, and, well, how, how are you going to expect to get better at business, by not learning about marketing and business, you know? It doesn't make any sense, does it? Yeah, exactly. The idea that you can run a business without knowing anything about business is strangely prevalent, but at the same time, real insane. You know, you just exactly the same as... You have to go through that process exactly the same as we all learn dog training, dog walking, or whatever you're doing. You have to go through exactly the same process with business. And if you don't do that, then you're not going to... Uh, be as successful as you really could be in this industry and also it's going to put you in a position ahead of everyone else because so few people are actually doing it definitely and, and you should want to do this you know you should want to if, you, if you've got knowledge in your head that you know you can help people with their dogs and you can help make people's lives better and help solve problems for them then you have a moral duty really to, to, to learn how to push your service more so you can help more people you know, like it's, it, you're doing yourself a disservice. You can't say, I'm not interested in business. I'm not interested in the business side of things. I just want to help people with their dogs. It doesn't make any sense, do you know what I mean? To help more people with their dogs, you, you have to learn about business, do you know what I mean? The people who say that they, they, aren't, they aren't interested in learning about business, to me, they're not interested in really helping lots and lots of people with their dogs, you know? What are some of the things that you see people getting wrong all of the time, Doc? Oh, right, we've got a big list here. 
No, I don't know. But I, well, as it happens, I, I cover five of these things in, in Walk Yourself Wealthy, you know? So there are five sort of marketing secrets, I call them, <laughs> that you can, that anybody should know about um, with, with their business, you know? Um, and they'd be premium, be specialized, be the expert, be polarizing, and be inaccessible. Um, and if, if you, if everybody just reads this book, it's like 20 quid, you know, or, or like a fiver on Kindle or something or Audible, um, you know, you'll be, well, if you read it and implement it, you'll be streaks ahead. But some of the most common problems that I see are people don't charge enough money. Right, this is, that's problem number one. Okay. Now, whether this is because um, it's usually Nick because they, we, they look around. This doesn't apply to dog businesses either. This applies to almost any business. People, it's a bit like you know when you start a new school. When you go from primary school to secondary school, or you or you or you switch villages and you, you go to a different school. You know, you spend the first couple of weeks kind of sizing everyone up and seeing seeing what's acceptable, what you can get away with, what's the norm, what's the done thing. And we, we do a very similar thing with our business because we don't want to rock the boat, you know. So when you start a business, we, we look and we, we see, we check out all the other dog walkers in town, all the other dog trainers, we see what they're doing and we, we offer a very similar thing. And we charge ourselves at a very similar price or as is what usually happens we look and we say oh well I'm quite a new dog trainer so I don't have enough experience as that guy so I'm going to charge 20% less than him you know and and, and that's so, that, so not charging enough is is the biggest problem and it, it is a problem because number one you, you don't earn enough money so you, you're constantly chasing your tail and worrying about cash which means that you're not able to provide the best service that you can you know because you, you've constantly got other worries on your on your plate you, you attract the, the wrong kind of clients in my opinion now everybody you know there'll be there'll be a number of people who when I say this kind of thing in the Facebook group they'll, they'll jump on it and, and say that we, we should want to help everybody with our business yeah we should want to help everybody but we should really want to be helping the people who, want to, who are prepared to help themselves first you know and the people who are prepared to help themselves are usually prepared to you know go without something in order to get their dog fixed you know they're going to be more invested in the process you know so the more that you charge someone for your service generally the more they'll adhere to what you not always but generally the more they'll 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 consume what you're telling them they'll implement it and you know the more sort of stick rate you'll have where they'll actually believe in what you're teaching them and and follow through with it um, so, so not charging enough is is by far and away the, the biggest problem that I see right across the board within the, the pet service industry. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the questions I've been asked twice recently is because obviously since working with you, I've become premium priced as well. One of the questions I've been asked twice recently is, you know, if you uh, saw someone or met someone that was really desperate for advice with their dog but couldn't afford it, what would you do essentially mm-hmm. um maybe i should let you answer that before saying what uh what i responded back <laughs> okay cool. ask, ask the question again sorry what would you do if someone approached you and they were really desperate for help with their dog uh training advice but they couldn't afford your rates um well I'll, I'll be honest with you i probably wouldn't help them um because uh, well what i have not it would depend. Um, you see, my business is structured in such a way, Nick, that there's that there are numerous hoops that people have to go through before they would even get on a phone call with me to, to get that point to asking advice from me. Do you know what I mean? Um, and there are obviously numerous things that I'm able to offer someone who, who, who needs help with their dog. So if they can't afford 20 quid for a book, then they probably sh- shouldn't have a dog. Do you know what I mean? Um, so that, that would be the first thing I would say. So there's either the book... I've got inner circles, I've got dog training programs that people can do, I've got a range of services that I offer that can help people before, you know, before before the excuse of not being able to afford a one-to-one rate or a class rate would, would come into the equation, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you have to, owning the dog comes with certain responsibilities, doesn't it, you know. You have to be able to feed the dog. You know, you don't have to feed it the best food in the world, but you have to feed it the best food you can afford, you know. You have to take into consideration when you get a dog that it's going to need vet care at some, at some point in its life. And you have to, it's like owning a car, you know. You don't buy a car and then, you know, just have enough money to 
<laughs> no, I'm not. This is totally coincidental. Make this this example, but you won't buy, <laughs> you won't buy a car fill up with petrol, and then when it runs out with petrol, say, oh, oh shit! Do you know what I mean? Like I can't, you know, I can't use that car anymore. You know, um, <laughs> you know, and 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 the and the dog, you know, it's like. It's like a child, you know, you don't just have a child, buy the baby grow, buy the baby bouncer, and then you don't have to buy anything for it anymore. It's, it's like an investment, you know what I mean? So the fact that somebody has, has, a do- has a dog and they're not prepared in any way to sacrifice anything at all to, to, help, to get help for that dog tells me that they, that they don't, that they're not as invested in the process and it will be a waste of my time to help them. Now, there are some exceptions to that rule, obviously. Do you know what I mean? If there was, like, maybe a family friend or something who, you know, what I'm just trying to think, there'd be some kind of reason, you know? I'm not like Scrooge McDuck who's not going to help anybody ever. But what I'm saying is, I think you... You make a lot for your own back, and you certainly shouldn't. If no one's prepared to invest any money in the training, the expertise that you've got, you certainly shouldn't expect them to do anything with that, with the advice that you give them. You know, because free advice, by its very name, implies that it's worthless. Yeah, I think that. Oh, that's- well, that's a way better answer than I could have given. I think the idea, the the product, you know, you tweet teach this um, uh, concept of having a product pyramid, right? So, you know, you have products that are going to be cheaper for people to acquire like books uh, dvds or whatever online courses etc so uh, once you've established that you have this kind of ecosystem that that you know someone that can't afford maybe a one-to-one session can afford the book or the video course um and if they're really determined and they're going to get the result that they want with that cheaper product so i think that kind of solves that problem already um in itself um, but one of the what I what I was talking when I answered that question, I was saying that um, you know I would really have to see someone's commitment. Yes. Do you know what I mean like yeah? I if if someone can't afford to the um, the full price, I would want to know that they're really really committed to getting the result, and this isn't just some bullshit, you know, um, excuse to try and get get it cheaper. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah, you know, and you, you would, well, you, if you were my inner circle, you'd certainly, you, you'd be, you, you know, we, this is what we teach, isn't it, do you know what I mean, we teach how, how, how to position yourself better and stuff, so you, you don't even attract these kind of people, you know what I mean, who, who aren't interested in the process, and I'm not, this is not me being sort of elitist or classist or anything like that, it's not about that, it's about like what you said, it's about people who, they want to learn, they want to get on, you know what I mean, from, from like any walk of life, you know. Um, I've turned I've turned loads of like rich people away in the past for for various services because they you know I just didn't, didn't I didn't get the vibe do you know what I mean I didn't feel like they were going to be into it you know and, and uh, when you it's just going a little bit deeper this you know but when you when you build it when you if you're really serious about your business you know you need to be building like a tribe of people who are really interested in what it is that you've got to offer you know whether that's training walking or grooming or whatever and. And the dog trainers, you know, you should be you should be building this tribe of people who who will not only want to have a one-to-one from you to fix their immediate dog reactivity problem, you know, but you should be wanting to provide you should be providing stuff for them that naturally leads on to that, you know, so that they that, that they can discover some new activities they can share with their dog that will help their relationship further, you know, and, and like and this is the, the pyramid that we that we're talking about, you know, and it's um, not enough people think about that either. Yeah, and also you don't have to serve everyone, do you? You know, like I know a, a, another trainer who charges ridiculously low prices, but it's actually quite a good trainer. She's just cheating herself out of money, you know. And so there are always going to be people that are like that, you know. You just bec- you know, you're not the only dog trainer in the world. Um, Definitely, so, and, and so, yeah. I, know, I know lots of them as well. And I know lots. I know lots of you know the best dog trainers don't get paid the most money. You know, the best dog trainers, sorry, the dog trainers who get paid the most money are the ones who, I mean, don't get me wrong, you need to be good, you know what I mean? You need to be good, you need to be doing a good job at whatever you're doing, but they're the ones who, who, they know how to market and position themselves better. So to change the topic a little bit, Dom, one of the things I've been talking about a lot recently is content creation, and like we had this conversation on a podcast that I had with Eric and Joe about creating content, um... And it, it kind of has, it's kind of a two-pronged thing because, I mean, we were really talking about it because, you know, we're dog training, we're, we're 
geeks, you know, we love dog training and, and just for the betterment of the kind of dog training community. But also f- for, you know, it has an actual business application creating content. So from a business point of view, what are the advantages of creating content and what kind of content should people be creating? Well, you have to be, if you're, if you're a pet business owner, you have to be creating content of some kind, I think. If you want to be paid the most money, if you want to stand out from the competition, if you want to be the best, if you want to be the best, you, want to be, you need to be seen as the best, you know? It's like, what do people know about you? You know, what do people know about you to separate you from everybody else? And the, the, what they know about you is from the content that you produce, you know? So... Um, that this can be produced in many different ways. You know, there's no particular one way that you should that, that you particularly should be doing it. Um, I do a range of things. Yeah, I, I write books. I have a podcast that's just finished, and I've got another podcast style. I write daily emails. If I could be asked, I would should and could turn them into blogs. Um, I do webinars. I do events. I do. Uh, Facebook lives in the Grow Your Pet Business Fast Group. You know what I mean? Why do one live post, Facebook post every single day in there? When I'm out walking my dogs, didn't take me any time particularly to just, you know, as long as I've got control of the dog, then then I'll do a live post in there, you know? And what this does is this demonstrates my expertise and it helps and it it helps people, it educates and it entertains them as well. Um, Because this is kind of... I suppose when, when we're talking about content, you need to think about why why the whole premise behind why why you need to create content. Because you don't if you don't want to, you don't need to create any content at all. But if you want to sort of build it, build a tribe like we touched on before, build you need to build an audience of people who are interested in what you do, who find what you do in you know interesting and, and worth listening to, and then then from that list, from that big pile of people, you ideally want some of them to put their hand up and say. Yeah, I want to learn more. You know, I want to learn more about that. That 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 interested me. I want to learn more about this. Or you know, that experience that you talked about. Then I've had that experience. I, I want to learn more about that. You need to have a way to get them to put their hand up, and so you can have like a, a private conversation with them. You know, because uh, which is what I do with email. You know, when I write my daily emails, and, and I know you're you're getting bigger into email now too, aren't you? Um, and you and you sell them stuff in email too as well. You know, and and you'll sell more stuff in the future. Why? Because it's it's a it's a great way to have a private conversation with people in their inbox. Now, if anybody's not familiar with um, the type of emails that me and Nick write, obviously you should sign up for Nick's. And you should say, I've not got no doubt you'll put your, your list up as well. If you, if, can I put, plug the URL Nick for them to sign up for like the 33 Yeah, carry if on. If you go to My Dog Superhero, My Dogs, with that's two S's, mydogsuperhero.com forward slash 33 ideas, you'll get my 33 ideas to grow your pet business fast. And you'll see these emails, they're not like emails that you get from like Tesco's and Fat Face and Sports Direct and stuff. These are story type emails. And you know the story element's important because we're hardwired to, to, to listen to stories as humans and so and then once, once, you, once you build a relationship with people through email through your blogs through direct mail whatever it is um, then these people are like people who are who are interested in what you've got to say they put their hand up and say I want to learn more you build a relationship with them they're prime people for you to sell stuff to basically you know and, and so that's that's sort of a bigger answer to the question about content but this is why I use content you know there are far too many people out there who are producing content um, for no other reason than they just think they should be producing content you know there's no system behind it there's no like I don't do anything I don't do anything that I can't use again some other place so for example that conversation that we had in my Facebook group um, a couple of months ago, uh, talking about the boot company and a circle and stuff, you know. I've, I ripped that off there. That's been used again in the Facebook group. I've sent people from my emails to listen to that. We ripped off a part of the audio for that, actually, as well, along with some other testimonials, which has gone into a CD, which will be going out to help me to sell like, the inner circle and stuff a little bit further down the line, you know. So there's like this, that's a plan. That's like a content plan, you know. And, and the same with my daily emails, you know. They can be reused, um... As an example, my talking about how to be a dog superhero. The first, uh, I, I talk about like in, in the book, I talk about finding a kryptonite, don't I? You know, it's like my little sticky angle on finding something that your dog likes. I call it finding the kryptonite. Well, I came up with that idea um, 
in, in my third or fourth email that I ever, ever wrote, you know, and I stuck it in an email then. And the, the idea stuck, and then I've, I've since then I've talked about it on a podcast, and I became a chapter in the book, and now it's like something that people talk about, you know, it's like, oh yeah, the kryptonite, you got to find the kryptonite and stuff, and um, so that's that, that's where you, that's where you, you, you that's where the content, if you're creating it, it can go and it should go, you know, um, your emails become blogs, become courses, become books, become you know, but you have to start. That's the thing. It's getting started is the hard part. Yeah, I've, I also think one of the biggest objections that I hear to creating content is people are worried about how it's going to be received and they're worried about um, getting criticism. You know, even when I was talking to Eric, who is literally probably one of the most knowledgeable people on dog training, you know, I've ever met, he's even stopped blogging and podcasting because he's just fed up of the, you know, super positive crowd uh, being like, oh, you know, just getting on him for every little thing that he says um or you know there was another lady that we both know actually but i won't mention her because i don't know if she wants to be mentioned who you know she put up content and then she got like anonymous messages you know giving her abuse and stuff and i think that a lot of people are worried that they're going to get bullied over the content that they put out there what's your view on that well you you might i wouldn't say bullies i mean it depends how i think the bully to be a bully, you, you have to be a victim to some degree. Do you know what I mean? Um, to, to be bullied, you have to be a victim to some Certainly when you're talking about this kind of thing. I mean, we're all adults, you know? It's not like kids getting bullied at school and stuff. I, I think trolled might be a better description of it, you know? And if you're getting trolled, to me, you're doing, like, you know, if you're not getting trolled, you need to up your game a little bit. Because... <laughs> You, you know, you, like my brother's Dan Kennedy, who says, you know, if you haven't if you haven't pissed somebody off by lunch, if he hasn't pissed somebody off by lunchtime, he's doing something wrong, you know. And I've taken that kind of advice and and like ran with it, you know. And I'm I'm looking I'm looking for I'm not picking fights, but I'm looking for people to disagree with me, you know. And then if they do it in a sly, callous way. You know, like with, with a nasty comment or a nasty message or something. Well, then, by golly, I make fun of them in the next day's email. You know what I mean? And and I'll, I'll mention these people as well. I mention them at boot camps and stuff. You know, because what that does make as well is it, it pulls my crowd even further towards me. You know, um, but you you know if if you have beliefs in what you're doing and, and you're serious about your business, you want and you you want to you can't stand out from the crowd and stand out from the competition and not have some of the competition knock you, can you? You know, it doesn't. It doesn't compute, does it? Do you know what I mean? It, if, if, you, if you're in search of success and you want to do better, then, you know, you're going to piss a few people off and step on a few toes and, you know, break a few eggs along the way. Um, but, like, you know, so what? Do you know what I mean? It's like you, you've, got to, you've got to just get a thick skin about it. If you haven't, then, you know, don't bother, don't bother sitting your head above the parapet anyway. And don't tell me that you're struggling to stand out from the competition if you aren't prepared to do anything that's going to force you to stand up in the competition, you know? And you, you must have gone through a similar thing with this, Nick, with um, the stuff that you've done over the last year where you're stepping out more and, and, you know, doing things in your business that you weren't doing, like, 12 months ago. Oh, yeah, Jesus Christ. You know, I've had lo- loads of that kind of thing. But I think that th- that's the difficulty of that question, you know, and I've been asked, asked it before, is there's not, like, a really nice answer, like, oh, you just have to, you know... <laughs> do breathing exercises and all of a sudden you know you can do it like you just have to kind of develop a bit of a fuck you attitude don't you and you you know if someone is just being a troll and just being a bit of a dick then you just have to be confident enough not to let that get to you you know like for example um i had it happen like uh yesterday or two days ago you know because i did a podcast with peter and peter is um the head of a marine mammal training association then i started getting like animal rights activists like you know uh orcas shouldn't be in captivity you're terrible for sitting down and talking to him it's like do you know what fuck off you know i don't you know i don't give a shit about your views in the sense that i don't want it littered all over my content um you know i i respect that everyone has different opinions but you don't need to shit it all over people's pages. Um, but you're right in that a lot of the people that are the most controversial or the most successful, you know, like I love UFC. That's one of my things that I follow. And the most famous person in UFC is Conor McGregor because he just causes loads of controversy. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And who, who, who makes the most money? Yeah, exactly. By far. You know, even someone that... And, you know, 
He's not even the best. Hey, hang on. (laughs) (laughs) Terminate interview. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, you know, even... Sometimes people even love to hate people. You know, like, you know, talking about combat sports again, you know, someone like Floyd Mayweather, everyone hates him. But people pay for his fights because they want to see him get knocked out. So he's making tons of money, you know, and he's he's extremely successful. So it's being controversial isn't necessarily always a bad thing. Definitely not. No, hardly ever is. Hardly ever is. You know, I mean, it depends what you get caught doing. But you know, it, it, it's hardly ever controversial. And, and mo- it's quite liberating as well, Nick. When you you know, because I can't remember the time now, but it must have been so long ago. But there, there have been a time when I will have sort of been professional you know, and try to fit in with the crowd and stuff, and it's like, it's not me, you know, so uh, it's really liberating when you start to, you feel like you can um, verbalise and put your own views across in your own way, and you do have a kind of fuck you attitude where it's like, you know what, like, this is what I think, you know, and and actually, most people, even if they, most people, even if they don't agree with you, they, they respect you for like having a spine, you know? They respect people who have a spine. It's just a, a very, very small percentage of the, you know, the haters and the trolls and the knockers that we talked about before. Um, so, I mean, the practical things you could do for that is to just, like, just, you know, unmute their, you know, mute their comments, do you know what I mean? Or, 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 like, remove yourself from these groups. You know, I'm, I'm not really in, I'm not really in very many dog groups at all, you know, because, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not interested in, 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 what they, in what they think about me. They're not my audience. Yeah, and the thing is as well is I'm not even saying I'm for or against people keeping whales in captivity. I don't really have an opinion on that. But the reason I got because I just don't know. I don't. I don't have enough knowledge when it comes to whales and, and and seals and all that kind of shit. But I got Peter on because he has uh, loads of knowledge about training and he has a really un- unique point of view. But you know, if I disagree with someone's viewpoint then I don't just start trolling them all over their page. That's not what a rational person yeah. does. Here's an example for you, which is very similar to what you're just talking about. I, I recently, um, I say recently, it was probably about two, two or three months ago, posted something in a, in a dog group, um, a, a big dog group that we, that we both um, fans of, the, the lady wanted. And, um, and I posted a little 20-second dog training tip. Right, which, which essentially told you how to play with your dog a bit more. Uh, you know, you should be playing with your dog. That was the, that was the basic message behind it. You know, it was, it, it was literally a 30-second thing with a 20-second dog training tip. And I put it on, and straight away, some people jumped on it because at the start of the sort of opening title sequence, it had the name of my business, which is Packley the Dog Adventures. Right? So that came up, and then straight away, these, these comments started to come up. And, and it was one of my most, like, popular... Post. I mean, I was having a whale of a time, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like winding, winding these people up. And um, anyway, I had these comments were getting like 30, 40 comments old, and people going on and on, oh, pat later this, pat later that, outdated, and all this kind of thing. And, I, and one lady made about eight or nine comments, and I and, and I said, I said, did you did you watch the video? And she said, no, I didn't. I couldn't watch it. I couldn't get past the the the, the opening. You know, I couldn't get past the pat later name. I said, so you've written 10 comments. Well, it was 11 by then. You've written 11 comments, and you've, you you still haven't watched the video. No, no, I haven't watched the video. And that, I mean, that's just exactly the same as what you're talking about, isn't it? You know what I mean? People are prepared to listen about what Peter's got to say about training, even though it might help them become a better trainer, because they're so blinkered um, with, their, with their views about what they can and can't stomach, you know? Yeah, I mean, I've... I don't know, Dom, because I haven't spent enough time with you, but I think that even though maybe we don't, you don't, like, throw around, you know, you're not one of these trainers that is like, I'm super positive, blah, 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 but I would bet that you don't, you know, you don't hurt your dogs, you don't use anything like that as a as a way of training them. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's kind of, the whole positive movement, like, it is a good thing, but it just gets really extreme sometimes, you know. I, I've learned some of the, you know, some of the... I've learned so much from people that aren't positive as well, and that's really made me a better trainer. Even though I don't use pain, I've still managed to learn loads from them. Like, and another example is, you know, I saw, a, I I shared this with someone I know as well because I thought it was really funny. Like, I saw a post on one of the groups, and it was talking about Bertrand Bailey's "How Dogs Learn" book, which is really good if you're just starting out in dog training and you want to learn the theory. And in the 
it basically goes through all the theory, right? So in the start of the book, it will talk about some of the the punishment-based stuff as well, but it's not, like, advocating it or saying anything like that. But someone had posted in one of the groups, you know, oh, I just started Burton Bailey, and it talks about escape avoidance or whatever it is, and... You know, should I carry on reading this book? Is there anything else good in it? It's like, for, like for Christ's sake, you know, is that easily put off? Confession. What's that? Confession. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's it's so madness. It's just uh, crazy. It's it's gone way too far. Um, sure. Yeah, you know, no. Of course, we do side on the side of you know we don't use cruel methods of training dogs but we don't have to freaking do you know what I mean we don't have to go to that extreme no definitely not and, and this and in, in a way you know this this part, for, for the for the dog trainers who are a bit savvy out there and a bit smart and they, they listen to this and they're sort of keen to, to to learn a bit more you know there's a tremendous opportunity for um for dog trainers who are prepared to you know, go against this, not go against it as in, like what you said, you know, do anything particularly harmful, but, you know, just to, to put your own point of view across that, and not sound like a complete, you know, Mormon, like, you know, sort of freaking evangelist, you know what I mean, about this stuff, you know, and because and, let me tell you, you know, your clients, they, they, aren't, they aren't interested, you know, it's putting them off in swings. All they're really doing is they're just trying to pander it or they make themselves look good to other dog trainers, you know, and, and instead of... Uh, instead of thinking about the people at the people at, you know, on, on the call for you, who they should be helping well I think it's part of a larger problem as well in the dog training community of you know we're all just trying to be everyone's just trying to be like everyone else and everyone's just trying to fit in aren't they and there's a real lack of personalities I think mm-hmm. definitely yeah this is the other sort of the, the, other, the other big sort of marketing um, mistake that people make is that they they, they just as we said with the pricing, is that they don't they don't do anything to differentiate themselves from everybody else. You know, they've got they've got no there's nothing unique about their business. I mean, you could look on any you could Google any city in the UK or town in the UK, Google dog walkers, trainers, or groomers, and I'll bet you the first six that come up, they all say exactly the same thing. They all offer exactly the same classes, and they all you know charge roughly the same prices. Do you know what I mean? There's like it's just vanilla. It's boring, and the people who are prepared to step out of that, they're going to be, they're going to be the ones who are going to make a real name for themselves, um, and they're going to have a lot more fun in the business as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Like I said, you know, being part of the inner circle and working with you has really opened my eyes up to a lot of this stuff, um, and also kind of create made this. It made the whole topic of business and marketing much more interesting for me to digest and kind of pushed me in the right directions when it comes to reading books. You know, like you started reading Dan Kennedy books and all that kind of stuff that, you know, you've uh, introduced me to. So it's definitely helped me a lot. Yeah, and, you, and, you're, and, you, and you're, you have to be, the other side of it is as well, is that you have to be, you have to be an implementer. You have to be ambitious and you have, you know, I'm not talking about being super ambitious, but you know, you have to be fairly ambitious. You have to want to get on and you have to be prepared to push yourself out of your comfort zone, which you've been prepared to do. And lots of other people in the inner circle have, have been prepared to do as well, you know. And yeah, it's really uncomfortable. It's scary to do different things to what you've done before, to what everybody else is doing in your town, you know. But how, how, like I said before, how are you going to expect to stand out and, and, and make more money and make a name for yourself by doing the same things as everybody else? It's, it's impossible. So, yeah, I think. Credit to you, I was going to say. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, if it wasn't for you, then I wouldn't be in the position I'm in. You know, um, oh, I, I was talking. I was. <laughs> I was talking to Tamsin when we were at the um, uh, boot camp, yeah. um, the business boot camp in Sunderland, and you know, I think that the I think that a lot of dog trainers, especially um, because that's the crowd I'm most familiar with, definitely want to stand out, but they're really scared to do it. You know. Um, yeah, that's definitely been my experience. You know, people, you know, the people that we look up to, um, you know, you've done podcasts with loads of them, Dom, you know, like people like, um, John McGuigan and stuff that, you know, do put themselves out there. Um, you know, us dog trainers look up to the people that do make content and do put themselves out there, but at the same time, they're too scared to do it themselves. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, you, you know, 
this is like a blatant plug almost, but you know, it, it, it's it makes a difference, doesn't it? Going to something like a boot camp or you know, joining the insert or something where you where, where you are you're not with the sort of one of these in these Facebook groups and stuff. You know, you're in you're with people who are have, have stepped up to the plate and have put their money where their mouth is, and they it just it just make, it makes a big difference, doesn't it? You know, um, even if they're in completely different sectors of the pet industry. You know, it's like you, you're already lifting yourself by, by knocking about with, um, it's the old Jim Rohn thing, you know, you're, you're the average of the six people that you hang around with, you know, and if, you, if you're not hanging around with people who are, who are also ambitious about their business, then it's going to be hard for you because, you know, your family and uh, your friends and your colleagues and stuff and even your spouse, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to be very receptive because they haven't been exposed to this stuff before, they're not going to be receptive to the kind of ideas that you're going to have about changing things around, you know, because they're going to be from that same, you know, be the same mentality as everybody else. It's also very motivating, you know, you've got the Achievement Friday, Fred, mm. you know, oh, I, I see that pop up in my emails and, you know, you see people that are putting, like, loads of work in and if you haven't done a lot that week, you're like, you know, shit, I'm falling behind everyone. It's inspiring, you know, it's, inspiring. it's inspiring to me as well, Nick. The way people are just ruined with it, you know? Well, I, it, even beyond the inner circle, when I, even spending time on social media, you know, when I, because I'm aware of this now, I've got a different viewpoint having learned the marketing stuff from you. You know, if I see, um, if I'm in your group or whatever, and I'm seeing that you're doing a Facebook Live every day, or you're, you know, you're making posts and you're getting people onto your email list and you're doing all that kind of good stuff, then it's like, it's very inspiring. You know, I can't remember where I mentioned it, Don, but I did mention I did mention you as one of the people, you know, where I see you putting out loads of content and it's just like, you know, Jesus Christ, that's really inspiring. I'm I'm very inspired by people that are content creators and put out a lot of content because I know that work goes into that. Yeah, sure. well, thank you. Yeah. And um and like you say, you as well now, you have you have an added benefit of knowing why I'm doing it, you know. I'm not doing it particularly to be famous, John. I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm doing it because I know that this is the best way for me to attract the right kind of people that I want to work with and and bring them into my business. You know, yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, it's you know building that email yeah. list for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Right. Awesome. So, where can people go to find out more? And maybe it'd be worth mentioning your email list again, where they can get that. Okay. So they can go to. Um, they can get How to Be Your Dog Superhero or Walk Yourself Wealthy from uh, Amazon, Kindle, or, or they're both on Audible as well. Um, or they can get them from me. You can go to um, mydogsuperhero.com um, forward slash 33 ideas to get on the email list. Uh, you can go to growyourpetbusinessfast.com uh, to get a copy of Walk Yourself Wealthy. And... Uh, what else? Yeah, we've got the. Um, well, I've got my own new podcast, Nick. Can I plug that? I've got that starting very soon. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Just, uh, people are people here are listening to podcasts, so <laughs> this is a perfect to- target audience. Yeah, for you. good idea. Yeah, I never thought of that. <laughs> um, so there's the new um, pet business podcast, Poodle to Pitbull Pet Business Podcast. That's me and Alex, a video guy. That's an audio podcast. That'll be starting um, around May time, I think. So, um, so yeah, so that'll be available on iTunes and wherever people can normally get uh, podcasts from. Um, yeah, but that's it. We've got loads of stuff. There's loads of stuff there. Loads of help there. You know, if people want to, obviously, we've got the inner circle, and I've got my private platinum coaching groups, and we do boot camps. We've got a dog trainers boot camp happening in Sunderland in October. Um, two-day boot camp and, and, and lots of other things as well webinars and stuff but with the books and the emails are probably the best place to start I'm really excited about the business podcast because I, I don't know of another pet business podcast well there won't be no one like this one <laughs> yeah I think that's really exciting that you know we talk a lot about having a niche that's that's a really good niche yeah well it, again sure. again Nick this like you know from another level <laughs> this is like a, a, what I talked about at the start about the content creation this is the audience building tactic you know so the pod, the pet business podcast will go out will be heard and listened to by you know pet business owners all over the world potentially you know who will then be given the opportunity to opt into the email list 
buy a book and then come on you know we started to get I'm starting to get interest in um, uh, Canada and the USA we got somebody in the inner circle from Canada and stuff so it's like it's 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 going to grow you know it's hopefully that's the idea that's the idea anyway yeah that's a good point to mention as well your inner circle and stuff is not limited to people that are in the UK or you know, it's not a local thing, it is an international oh, definitely, yeah, thing. Yeah. So, you know, you get the newsletter, you get, like, limited critiques and all this kind of thing, access to me, discussion groups, fab, isn't it? And, um, yeah, so it's uh, it's just a way for you to learn more. But, like I said, start with the book and the 33 ideas first, definitely. Yeah, perfect. All right, awesome, Dom. I'll let you enjoy the weather because it's actually a really nice day today. <laughs> Thanks for your time, buddy. All right, thanks, Dom.